Um, he talks on, thank you, Jordan. <laughs> he talks on Psalms 23 verse six, and David pins these words down. He goes, even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, he says, I will fear no evil for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. David, he expresses his conviction in this verse that the Lord's goodness is with him throughout all his life. Whether David was walking through the green pastures, whether David was laying next to still waters, whether he was walking through valleys, David knew that God would accompany him in all his seasons. Amen. So in whatever season or valley or circumstances that you and I find ourselves in, God will always be with us. Over this years of David's life, David had found that God was good and his unfailing love would be present in every step of David's journey. No matter what David would go through, God was with David. In David's days, I want to just explain why David penned these, the, this letter, this, the scripture where it was penned. In David's days, the landscape in those days and the Philistine weather, um, they would the shepherds would take the sheep down in lower lands for more grass. And it was a bit warmer there. And then when summer arrived and the temperature rose slightly, the shepherds would lead the sheep to higher grounds. Did you get it? So when it was cold and when it was miserable, the shepherd would take the sheep down to lower grounds and there he would find a bit more grass and it was a bit more warmer. And then in summer times, the shepherd would lead the sheep up to higher grounds where, where it was a little bit cooler for them. But the only way to get the sheep from the lower ground to the higher ground was if the shepherd would take the sheep through the valley and the gorges in the Philistine area. And this was very, very common in David's days. In this particular Psalms, it's a better translation when you're talking about a valley. It's a better translation to call it the dark valley or a valley of deep, deep darkness. I can understand that. Um, I've walked through many of those deep, deep, dark places. I don't know about you, but me personally, I've walked through those deep, 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 dark places. This valley was very familiar to the Israelites. It was dangerous to walk through. They knew that on this journey through deep darkness, that something or someone would either jump out from the shadows, from the hiding places. And the shepherds needed to be very alert the shepherd would use his rod and his staff to guide and protect those sheep through those valleys and through those gorges. Even though, friends, you and I, we don't travel through those dark valleys in a physical sense, but we need to understand today that we might feel and, and it might look like that we're walking through seasons where it's really, really dark. We might be facing emotional valleys. Now in lockdown, there are mental valleys, amen? Um, we might be going through fear. We might be experiencing temptation. There might be um, things of depression, whatever this may look like for you and I today. I know personally when I've gone through those types of valleys that it can sometimes feel very alone. I feel like 
when I'm going through these valleys, that it's just me. It's only me that's going through what I'm going through. Um, in Psalms, in this particular Psalms, David reminds us that God will lead us through these types of valleys, these dark, dark places. And nothing that you and I will face today is unexpected to God. I want to remind you, anything that you and I are going through today is not unexpected. Nothing surprises God. His sovereignty remains. He remains in control. He is God of, of, of all creation. And he takes us through these places, not only for our good, but he, we go through these places for his glory. Amen. So I want to just talk about two different types of valleys this morning and what these valleys mean to us in today's world. Now, I'm only sharing two, guys. But if you have time um, through lockdown, in God's love letter from Genesis to Revelation, you will see many valleys in which God, God takes his people through. Now, those valleys can be because of their choices. We make stupid choices sometimes. It's just been human nature. And because of our choices, we, we have to walk through certain valleys. But there's so many other valleys that we are going to face. But I'm only going to deal with two today. And I want you, if you can, just write a couple of these, these valleys down. The first valley, and please excuse my, um, my translation, but I call it ESCOL, um, E-S-C-H-O-L, the Valley of ESCOL, E-S-C-H-O-L. If you want to find that valley, just turn to the book of Numbers 13, 23. This valley is located inside the promised land. I want to say it again. This valley is located inside the promised land, a place where 12 spies were sent and they cut down these big cluster, this big cluster of grapes where they had to have two men to carry it back to their camp. When they, the spies go back to the camp, and if you don't know the story, read it in the book of Numbers. They go back to their camp and they gave Moses and Aaron and all the congregation, they shared what these, they saw in the promised land. Caleb, uh, sorry, Caleb and Joshua, um, they said, this is what the future looks like. This is what it looks like to me. I've been to this place. I see the fruits. It's running with milk and honey. And Caleb and Joshua, they had this amazing report about this valley, about this place which they already knew God had already given them through their, the covenant that God had with Abraham. But 10 other spies, we know the story, they weren't as confident. And they gave a really bad report and they spread this report across the land. On one hand, God is promising um, all this good things. He's made everything clear about our future. He's given us a picture in the word of God. That is why it is important for you and I to understand the word of God. But on the other hand, what is happening around us externally is influencing what is going on internally. There is a collision that's happening in this scenario, collision between natural and the collision between internal, the spiritual man. And this valley, it requires us to make really hard decisions. And you may find yourself in this valley several times throughout life. It represents our decision-making. Are we going to push forward 
into what God's saying, or we're going to just retreat and go back to what is normal to us. Because when we go back to what is normal to us, it is such an easy way. Just go back. It's so easy. It's so comfortable. It's all right back there. You know, we just keep camping there. It's all right. But I want to tell you that God has an amazing future for our lives. And we've got to make a decision. And these decisions are sometimes really hard. Are we going to trust in God's word for our lives? This is the valley where I call it the valley of this crossroad. God is saying that I have this for you. But what I'm feeling and what I'm sensing and what I'm seeing, it, don't, it doesn't look like that. It looks completely different. And that is a challenge. And that is the hardest thing that you and I are going to face today is to make decisions on whether we're going to trust and hold on to God's word or whether we're going to retreat and go back to what we know. Do we choose to accept what we see? Do we choose to accept what we feel? Do we choose to accept um, what others are saying? Or do we choose to obey the words of God? And this is a decision that we have to make when it comes to this particular valley. Every decision, friend, that you and I make, we need to learn to involve God into those decisions, to, lead, to allow him to lead us and to help us to fulfill his will. Now, I, I know personally, uh, working in the marketplace, I work in the marketplace, many of you know, I work in the marketplace every single day. And I work in different sectors and different places. And I know the temptation to, that allows me to kind of feel and see things different. And God's saying, no, 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 no. This is what I've promised you. This is what I've told you to go after. This is what I've already given you. Are you going to trust me or are you going to retreat and stay where you are? I know how difficult that is. I'm sharing, I know how absolutely difficult that is. You see, with every promise that God has for you and I, the promise keeper is connected to that promise. He says, I, not every word that comes out of my mouth, it's not going to come back void. I'm going to fulfill what it's, it's going to do. I'm going to do what I said I'm going to do. I'm not man that I should lie. I'm going to do what I said I'm going to do. Caleb and Joshua they were so convinced, they, they believed that God who promised their forefather Abraham, he was the God that was going to fulfill the promises. And they said, look, guys, this is our future. This is what God's telling us. It's kind of like our Holy Spirit, Holy Spirit telling us, but something else saying to us, no, 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 God, that's not for you. God didn't say that to you. That's not going to happen for you. That's for the other guy. That's not for you. I want to say to you this morning, there's so much learnings for us in this valley. And when you have time during lockdown, read numbers and understand about this valley that you and I are going to go through in life. So there are two things that I've learned in my walk in this particular valley, this valley that I had to make hard decisions on whether I retreat and go back to the same old, same old, or whether I push forward. The first thing that I've learned in this particular valley is fear comes with consequences. Fear comes with consequences. Fear comes with consequences. Giving into fear comes with consequences. But as the Israelites, their opportunity to enter this promised land, it had gone at that moment. The moment they decided to allow what they see and feel was gone. They did not get another chance. That generation lost the opportunity to get another chance. Can I say to you, when God gives you an opportunity, take it and run with it. 
But this particular generation of Israel, they lost their chance. Only Joshua and Caleb will inherit that land in that generation. Fear won that day. And it would be 40 years, friends, 40 years. What I know today, I wish I knew back then when I was a younger person, you know, when I was like Jordan and Ray's age or Marcus's age, or I, I was going to say Afale's age, but I think he's gone, like he's so far away. But, you know, like when I was younger, I wish I knew this when I was younger. I wish I knew the power of God's promise when I was younger, when I had much energy and zeal. Now I've just got to like look at another generation and keep like pushing them forward in their dreams and continue to do what God has called me to do. Amen. So fear won this day. And it would take another 40 years for another chance to come around. Don't wait another 40 years for another chance to come around. Don't wait until you're old man and old woman, until your kids are having uh, children and grandchildren, where you start inheriting what God has already told you. Don't wait till you get to heaven. God says, as it is in heaven, let it be on earth. Don't wait till we get to heaven until we obtain what God has already promised us before we were already here on earth you see fear has this way of paralyzing us and i know that fear can paralyze us from taking what is already ours i know because the bank account can sometimes speak louder than your faith right the sickness can sometimes speak louder than your body things can talk louder than than what you expect them to they speak so loud because you're giving them room in here to speak louder than what God's word is saying. So when this happens and we begin to doubt, I know for me, I begin to doubt God when I allow things to, to, to speak louder than the words of God's and the promises of God's and I'm too fearful to take a plunge. I'm trying to work out in my own consciousness, A, B, and C. I'm trying to figure it out. So I make sure that my steps are, a, B, and C. This is what I'm going to do. But God's saying, no, you do this. And I've got to fight. I've got this internal battle happening, right? You understand that? You have this battle happening. You want to go forward, but something's telling you to stay here. And I know when I'm in this place that it causes doubt. And I can't see clearly in the horizon. I can't even see what is before me. Friends, it's one thing that I've learned when I have that fear. I've learned, I've trained myself in, in Philippians 4. Philippians 4 says, be anxious for nothing. Are you hearing me? Nothing, 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 nothing. Be anxious in nothing, but in everything in prayer and supplication. In other words, you don't just bring it to God, you drop it. You, you give it to him. You don't just bring it and hold it. You bring it and drop it in prayer and supplication. And you wrap that up with a voice of triumph and thanksgiving. He says, let your requests be known. He knows what we need even before we say it. But it's about us being reliant on God, the Alpha and Omega. And he says, when we do this, he says, and the peace of God. This is the key. The peace of God, which surpasses understanding, comes when we do the first part if we want peace in our lives we've got to do the first part sometimes we want peace but we don't want to do the first part are you with me guys this thumbs up you're with me right you understand what i mean yeah but he says in the peace of god which surpasses all understanding will guard your hearts 
and your minds. Our battle over this lockdown period will be our heart and our minds. Your battle, heart and mind. And he says, this peace which surpasses all understanding will guard your hearts and minds through who? Christ Jesus. Not through what you know, not through what you think, not through what you see, but through Christ Jesus, because you've chosen just like me and you've trained yourself to give it over to God and let it go and say, God, I don't know. I, I am so fearful, but I'm going to trust your word. I don't know what I, I, I'm going to do, but I'm going to take every step. Your lamp is a light and I'm going to use your lamp as I walk forward in Jesus name. Amen. So that's the first thing I've learned personally when I've gone in this particular valley, when I have to make some real bold choices and hard choices, do I go forward or do I retreat and stay where I am? The second thing I've learned when I'm in this particular valley is I've learned that this valley um, has a purpose. Now, all valleys have a purpose, but I'm just sharing my experience, and I hope that it'll bless you as I share what, what my experiences are. When, when um, we have talked about how David, the shepherd, would take the sheep to high ground in summer months, and, and when, when it was cold, he would go to lower grounds and then high grounds, and we've spoken about this. The shepherd was leading the sheep to better places. Are you hearing me? The sheep will go to lower ground and then to upper ground, but the shepherd will lead the sheep through the valley. The shepherd will not lead us through a place that was not good for us. The shepherd would protect his sheep with everything he had, with his staff and his rod, and he will ensure that his sheep will get to that place, to the higher ground, but to get to higher ground, David needed to go through the valleys and the gorse. Um, this journey that we go through when we're going through this particular valley, it refines our faith. It really does. And it cultivates within us this trust. I want you to understand it cultivates within us trust. When we have to make hard decisions and we have to either push forward or we retreat or we stay where we are and God say, no, this is the promise. Can't you see what I have for you? Your future and your hope. I'm going to prosper you. I'm going to bless you. Your family is going to overcome. The devil thought they'd taken your children, but I'm telling you, I have your children in my hands. Trust me with your children. Trust me with your grandchildren. When we're going through this place, it cultivates trust in us. Trust to trust our God, our great shepherd. You know, um, there's a saying that faith is not um, immune to trials, but faith is fueled in trials. Trials is the petrol for our faith. It kind of lights it up, buddy. You want to you wanna get some faith in you, you've got to go through some trials because you don't need the armor of God when everything is good. You need the armor of God when it's not so good, right? I love um, the scripture, 1 Peter 1, and it says these words, 1 Peter 1, verse 6 to 7. Are you okay? Is this okay? Is this helping you? Give me a thumbs up. Cool, cool. It says this, in this you greatly rejoice, though now for a little while you need, if need be, you will be greed with various trials. In other words, Peter, he's saying you're going to go through trials, lots and lots of trials that the genuineness of your faith, 
being much more precious than gold that that perishes though it be tested by fire may be found to praise and honor and glory at the revelation of jesus christ and that is it this is it this is a key that your faith is a refining fire it is greater than gold that can that can perish it's tested through fire that it may be found to give praise, honor, and glory to God. Isn't that awesome? Like, I'm like, man, I hate trials. I hate going through stuff. I just want God to bless me, bless me, bless me. And he's saying, no, but, you know, you've been in the winter. You've been in these lower grounds. I've fed you this bit, but I want to give you fresh revelation. So I'm going to take you through this valley, and I'm going to take you to higher places. And as I take you through this valley, I'm refining your faith. I'm testing your faith to ensure that it's pure, that it can stand the trials. And you will give praise and glory and honor to God. Amen. So the decision that you and I need to make is either are we going to push forward in this valley or into what God's promised us, or we're going to just stay back and we're just going to just take it as it comes. Oh, well, what will be will be, you know, this is it for me. You know, this, this is it. This is all I have for me. And God's saying, no, no, my daughter, no, my son, I have so much more for you. Amen. The second valley. The Valley of Ephah, and I'm going to spell it because it might be interpreted wrong. E-L-A-H. E-L-A-H. You will find this valley, and you will know this valley once I say it, in 1 Samuel 17, 1 to 3. Um, this valley is many of us are going to face throughout our lives. I, I don't care who you are. You can have a title. You can have a status. You can have, you can have money. You can not have money. You can be rich, poor. You can have different tongues and tribes, but we're all going to face this type of valley. Some call this valley the valley of giants. This is the valley where David and Goliath, they battled. This is how I fight my battle. Oh, not with your fist. This is how I fight my battles. David heard Goliath shout with the challenge to God's people. On one mountain was the Philistines. On another mountain was Israel. And right in the middle was this valley. Woohoo! This is a place where you battle. This is the place where you battle. We are told that Goliath well, he was huge. He was a giant over three meters. His armor was huge. So, and all of Israelites, they were so dismayed. They were terrified. They were discouraged. But here's this young boy. That's why you never, ever, ever dismiss someone who is speaking, even if their age is young or whether they're in their youth in the Lord. You never dismiss it. And he's this young boy. He hears what the enemy is saying. Are you hearing me? You and I are going to hear some things. You and I are going to hear some things. He hears what the enemy is saying. You and I, at this point of our time, need to understand when we hear what the enemy is saying, is that lining up with what God's saying? The enemy is saying this, God's saying this. Enemy is saying this, God's saying this. And guess what his reply is? Who is this uncircumcised Philistine that he should defy the armies of the living God? Now, when, the, when he's coming against one, he's coming against the whole army. This is the power of unity in the body of Christ. When a brother or sister comes, I'm not talking about like the human sense. I'm talking about when someone comes against the body of Christ, they're not coming against one church. They're coming against the army of God. 
And we've got to stand up and say, who are you to talk about this and defy the army of the living God? Who do you think you are? That's why we salute churches. That's why we encourage them and empower them. That's why we tell pastors how awesome they are. Why? Because they are the, the, the chief. They are in charge and we want them to go and they, we want them to battle and know that there is a mighty army behind them. Amen. So David had great trust in God because God had been with him through his own personal experiences. Don't forsake your small steps, friends. Don't forsake your little battles. Don't forsake your little winnings. Don't forsake the small things in your life because those small miracles is what you need when you have a battle. Because those miracles are a reminder of how great God was and how great God continues to be. So David, here's to look back. I don't know why we're so afraid to look back. Sometimes we just need to glance back. We just need to look back and just look at where we've come from. Man, if you'd known me 30 years ago, oh my goodness. Man, I am a completely changed being in Jesus Christ. Where I've come from, coming off drugs and alcohol, being addicted to drugs is the worst thing any human being could be part of. But where I've come from to where I am now, I've got to remind myself of how good God was. I've got to remind myself how strong I was mentally, physically, spiritually. I was pushing through elements of unknown things. And I just, I just had to trust God. See, David looked back and he remembered what the Lord had already done for him. Do you and I do that? When we're facing a battle, do we look back and remember what God had already done for us? See, David's experiences of facing the lion and the bear. He was a, he was a shepherd. He would see the beauty in God's creation. He would allow the word to totally affect and infect you know, his very, him deeply, like he just knew that he could trust God. Friends, God does not depend, and I'm going to say this again, God does not depend on human means, but he does use human means. You got that? He doesn't depend on human means, but he will use them. He will use you or not. Because we are authorized on earth to be used by the king. So we are going to be used by God to fulfill his purpose. You see, David's focus, his focus was not on the giant. His focus was on God. Who are you, you un uncircumcised Philistine? Like, he, 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 he declared, you, you will not come against the army of God. All of us um, from time to time, we're gonna, we have to deal with this type of valley. We're going to go through some battles. The place where we, have, we face what seems to be so difficult and so big that we can't see a way through it. And I've been through so many seasons and so many valleys where I just want to quit. And I think to myself, it's just easier just to quit. It's easier just to give up. It's easier just to retreat. It's easier not to fight this battle. It's easier to let go of my kids and let them do what they like. It's easier just to quit my job and go to Samoa. Oh, I'm declaring that. No, just kidding. No, anyway, no, I'm, not, I'm not quitting my job. I'm not going to Samoa yet. But anyway, but I know from experience, a, a personal experience, when I have faced 
personal battles, I always am faced with two different um, options in my personal battles. This is for me, friends, and I hope it blesses you. The first thing I can do is ignore it. Easy. And your kids are playing up, just ignore them. Just walk away and let them play up and go, oh, well, you deal with it. The second thing is I can deal with it and hit it head on. David chose to deal with it and hit it head on. He picks up five stones, and we all know the story. And if you don't, go read the story. And he uses an insignificant slingshot. Everything David needed for his battle was before him. It wasn't in another man's weapon. It wasn't in what other people said. It wasn't how he was told to fight. He had used what he knew and he was taught to use by God. God has taught you how to fight in your battle. Now, the way I fight in my battle make it be completely different from your battle. I'm not going to be like David and pick up stones and throw it, even though I want to. Come on, let's be real. Sometimes I want to pick up a stone and throw it at someone's face. Let's be real. Sometimes I want to pick up a slingshot and really push it like that and hit them. But that's not how God's taught me to fight my battles. God's told me in everything, in prayer and supplication, give your request. He says, I'm going to fight your battles for you. It does not mean that I'm a doormat and you're going to walk all over me, but it does mean I'm going to continue to pray and ask God to change my heart towards the situation. Amen? He didn't use weapons, David, that other men use. He used what God had told him and taught him to use. And he took down that ugly giant. A giant friend is anything that raises its ugly head against who you are and who your God is. Anything that comes against who you are and who your God is, is a giant. Circumstances, situations, trials, tribulations, sin, anything that causes its ugly face to come up before you and your children and your families, anything that raises itself up against you and who your God is, is your giant. Maybe um, you're listening. I hope you're listening. And you're facing the valley of battles or a valley of giants. And maybe those, um, that maybe what you're facing is temptation, uh, difficulties, sin, relationship, finance, health, discouragement, fear, whatever that is. It, it's so different and so different for every one of us. Whatever the battle is, just like God being with David in his valley, God will be with you in that valley with you also. So what have I learned? I'm going to share quickly about a couple of things I've learned in my valley when I was in this valley. I've learned to resist to believe the lies. Resist to believe the lies. The enemy loves to whisper in your ears. You're alone. You don't deserve it. God doesn't love you. You can't do it. You're a failure. You're stupid. Has that ever entered your mind before? Has it ever, ever entered your thought life before when you're going through a battle? Well, it has for me. See, the Israelite army, they saw and they heard this giant. And what they saw and heard was more powerful than what God had already shown them and told them. The Israelites saw, the Israelites heard, and that became the most powerful influence in the army's life. 
They believed the lie. They believed the lie. God is not man that he shall lie to us. And if you and I choose to believe God, and we know the word of God, and that's why it's important to know the word of God, like David, we also can have victory in this valley. Resist to believe the lies. The second thing I've learned is I've learned to look at God's record. God's got a record. Um, he's, he's kept your record. So I keep God's record. <laughs> I'll explain that, right? It's helpful in my battle, and I hopefully this will help you in your battle, to remember God's track record. He's proven himself. He's proven himself to you in your life every single time we get ourselves into hot water, whether we've put ourselves there or whether, we, or whether circumstances have put us there, he has proven himself worthy. We need to remember what he did in our lives. And while we can learn from the stories of other people, and I love hearing testimonies of other people, how great God is and God raised the dead and God spoke to Lazarus, come forth. And he was like, I don't want to hear the stories anymore. I want to be the story. I literally want to be the story. I'm, I'm tired of hearing how people laid hands on the sick and they recovered. I want to be the one that lay hands on the sick and they will recover. Are you okay? Do you get me here? I want to be the miracle carrier. I want to be the one that God will use to raise the dead and set the captives free and lay hands on the, on, uh, on the eyes of the blind and their eyes will open and the mute shall speak. Um, I, I, I want to be the miracle in, in flesh. And I love stories and I love testimonies and I love hearing people share these stories. But I believe, for me personally, when I'm going through a, through a situation like that, that is important for me to look back and see how faithful God was in my own personal life so that I can declare God's goodness in that battle. I can tell that giant, you shut your mouth. The God who brought me through that is going to be the God that's going to bring me through this again. You shut your mouth. And I'm going to say it as I have. I don't have really fancy language, but that's how I would do it in, in my own battles. I will declare it. I will say it. I will make sure the enemy knows it. And I'm unashamed of sharing all the good things God's done over here. We've got to get away from the tall poppy syndrome, family. Don't be afraid to shine. Don't be afraid to succeed. Don't be afraid to, to do great things for God. Those who are in your camp will cheer you on and say, you keep going. You keep going. Why? Because we've been in the same battle and we know how hard it is, but we're going to cheer you on because we've been through it. So you can have your own testimony and story and you can look back and see how God good, God, how good God is. Amen. So here, David, he remembers God and he says the same God that was with him to give him the strength to face the bear is the same God that helped him to face the Goliath. The same God who showed up when this lion crossed his path is the same God who was going to overcome his Goliath. He had personal experience with God and God's faithfulness in his life. And David trusts God and he trusted in God's word. You see, this gave so much confidence. And I want us to understand what God has brought you through must sharpen your faith and must give you the confidence to keep going forward. Look back at what God's done in your lives. Be confident that if he's done it before, he's going to do it again. So this is the question. What is your battles that you're facing today? 
Does it seem like the giants are rising up before you? You're in a small space. You've got your wife, your husbands, your spouse, your mom and dad. I don't know who you're with, but sometimes they could be a giant. They don't mean to be, but you're in a close space. And sometimes you just got to look back and be thankful for what God has put you through. So just as God gave David victory over Goliath, I'm declaring right now that God's going to give you victory and power over your Goliath. David sees this, even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, he says, I'm going to fear no evil. You are with me, your rod and your staff, they comfort me. I want to end with this. And I, I, I said it was short. I hope it was short. I don't know how long it was, but I want to end with this. A good shepherd will always use his rod and his staff. A good shepherd will always use his rod and his staff. He uses it to rule. He uses it to count. He, rule, he uses it to guide. He uses it to protect. God governs our life. God determines where we go. He chose us in Christ to be part of his flock. He knows each one of us by name. And when we go through difficult valleys, the shepherd never loses any sheep. And if he loses one, he will leave 99 to come after that one. That's how significant and important. So when, God, when people say God's got no favorite, that's a lie. I'm God's favorite. You're God's favorite. He will leave 99 to come after you. You are God's favorite friend. Like stop believing the lies that God's got no favorite. He's got favorites. He has favorites. He's going to leave 99 for you. He's the God who will guide us. And he also, he's going to be the God that disciplines us. And we don't like that type of God. We all only like the good God, the God that loves us and blesses us and prospers us. But God also disciplines us. And I love Hebrews 12. And it says these words in five to six. He says, my child, don't underestimate the value of the discipline and training of the Lord God or give or give depressed, or get depressed, sorry, when he has to correct you. The Lord's training your life. And this is evident of his faithful love. And when he draws you to himself, it proves you are his delighted child. When we're getting disciplined by God, and you know what that feels like, right? We think that God doesn't love us. We think that we're so bad. I tell you what, he disciplines those he loves. I know when my children was um, younger, the no smacking rule did not apply in my house. I'm just saying that when they were younger. Today, they could not do that to my grandchildren because that rule applies in their house. But when the children were younger, um, we would discipline them. Now, um, I would I would like go like this, like, don't do that. And Jordan, we did not. I would like, don't do that. And we would discipline them and we would talk to them and we would talk, talk to them and say to them, that is not nice. We don't like that behavior. And this would really hurt them and they would cry and they'll be upset and then would embrace them and would love them. Now, we did not discipline them because we did not like them or we wanted them to get, you know, to go down the wrong path. We disciplined our children because we loved them. We loved them so much that they needed to know that the path that they were traveling, I'm going to get my staff and I'm going to wrap it around your neck and I'm going to pull you this way. That's what a staff does. A shepherd's staff has a hook on it and the hook's there to wrap it around your neck and pull you this direction. Please don't do that to your children. I'm just saying, don't do that to your kids. But that's what happens. 
He would have the rod, he would guide them, protect them, making sure the sheep go in the right direction. And when they went off course, he'd wrap that staff around the neck and pull them towards them. God does that to us. He leaves 99, he will catch you with his, his, his staff, put it around your neck and pull you back to himself. Amen. Aren't you glad? Aren't you glad you're not a sheep? Anyway, but anyway, <laughs> sometimes our dark valleys are places where the Lord brings us to for his purpose and his training. And sometimes it's there to discipline us. I'm going to say this to you, and I want to remind you that you and I can have confidence in the great shepherd. He will never leave us. He will never forsake us. And there's nothing in no one that can keep you and I from the love of Jesus Christ. Let me say this. There's no sin. There's no addiction. There's no illness. There's no status, tribe, tongue, finance. There's nothing like that that can keep you from God's love. He's already conquered that. And I think sometimes we try to measure up, but God doesn't want to measure up. You're already measured. He already died on the cross for you. It's already done on you. And he sees you through the lens of grace. And he's saying, you're just beautiful the way you are. I'm articulating, I'm molding, I'm making you into this beautiful being that I've called you to be even before you were in your mama's womb. So that is it for me this morning, Fano. I hope that that has helped you or blessed you. Um, I hope that God be with you. And I just want to encourage you that no matter what valley you go through, God is for you and who can stand against you. Amen. I just want to pray for us, Pastor Jordan. Is that okay? Thank you. So, Fano.